0: Welcome to the Marketing Strategy Talks podcast, where we interview some of the best marketers from around the world and uncover their strategies for rapid growth. I'm your host and founder of MarketingStrategy.com, Ian Luck. Hello all you marketers out there. My name is Ian from marketingstrategy.com and recently I had the pleasure to sit down with Amanda Nielsen from Formstack for our most recent Marketing Strategy talk. Amanda is the Partnership Enrollment Manager at Formstack and in my opinion, an up-and-coming marketer you should keep your eye on. Amanda has developed a solid foundation on LinkedIn and Twitter, and yes, even TikTok. We'll talk about that more in the Strategy talk. She's been a featured speaker at Inbound, HubSpot's annual conference and most recently at Snowforce, Salesforce's user conference. And in this marketing strategy talk, we cover everything from partnerships, to social media, personal brand, even strategies, on how to get your first full-time job out of college. I had a blast talking with her, and I know you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this talk. Without further ado, check out the video, listen to it on SoundCloud, or read the transcript below. Thanks again for tuning in to another Marketing Strategy Talk, and don't forget to visit our website, marketingstrategy.com, where you can get the most effective strategies for rapid growth for marketers by marketers. Till next time. Amanda Nielsen, thank you for joining us at a Marketing Strategy Talk yeah thanks for having me so excited to here. so i've been following you for a while on linkedin and um i just think you have a really good sense for marketing um and personal brand you've spoken at a couple large-scale conferences across the country um i just think you have a lot to offer and you're so early in your career that's kind of like a rare thing so um I, let's just <laughs> dive right in so what kind of a first inspired you to get into marketing
1: yeah that's a good question um there was never really like one point where i was like oh i want to be a marketer like this is what i want to do um it was more so me being like okay like what am i good at what do i like and like what am i interested in and what do i really not like doing right. um and so from there i kind of just narrowed down the different types of professions and settled on like okay like some type of communications and then from there Um, it was between, between broadcasting and marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I ultimately decided I, you know, wasn't as interested in like news or, um, like sports or anything like that. I didn't want to be like a reporter, but I still wanted to communicate with people. I still wanted to be able to, to find ways to do presentations and talk to, to larger groups of people. Um, and so going into marketing I didn't necessarily you know think I would be able to go speak at conferences or do things like this where I'm connecting with people like I didn't know any of that even existed Mm -hmm. um so I was pretty excited when I started like getting all these opportunities um within my marketing scope so yeah so
0: so let's dig into that a little bit so you've you spoke at HubSpot inbound a couple years ago right yes and then you spoke at one other conference recently what was that?
1: Yeah. So that was, um, at Snowforce in Salt Lake city, Utah. Cool. So that's a Salesforce user event.
0: Nice. I love Salt Lake city. Um, mm-hmm. so let's dig into the inbound thing. So how did it come to you? Do you think it was a result of your brand that you're putting out there or did you reach out to them? Let's walk through that.
1: Yeah. It's a cool story actually. Um, it, it was very interesting. I love telling the story because there's like a few different things that I learned from it. Um, but basically, this was in 2018, so that was my junior year of college, the spring of my junior year. Um, so I was interning uh, at a HubSpot agency called Newbreed a while back during this time, and um, my CEO came to me one day and was like, hey, HubSpot's accepting like applications, a good call for speakers for inbound. I think it'd be really cool if we had people apply, like, can mm. you... Put together an application for me and he named off like a few other like older employees who have been there for a while and um tasked me with basically helping them film a, a video pitch and come up with like a topic and abstract and it was like kind of a comprehensive application process and so um that was assigned to me because i worked on the internal marketing team um and so i helped all of them and submitted their applications on their behalf and um I had always had an interest in public speaking. I always was, you know, it was something I wanted to do. I thought I would be okay at it because I had been hosting (laughs) webinars and stuff online. And I was like, Oh, like that would be so cool. But obviously I was like, okay, I'm only 20 at the time and I'm still in college. Like, okay. I don't want to just like be like, (laughs) Oh, I'm going to apply too. And I, I didn't know what anyone would say if I did but um, I was like, whatever, I'll just like give it a shot. It'll be practice for future sure. applications when I have more experience. And so I filmed a little application like on my cell phone in secret oh, and submitted great. it. And I just, I didn't tell anyone because I I didn't think anything would come of it. Um, and then a few months down the line, uh, they got back to everyone. And so my, my CEO like came to me and was like, oh, like bad news. I just got the email. Um, you know, I didn't get picked to speak, but thanks for working so hard to help me and the others. And, um, and I was like, oh, and so I went and checked my email, expecting my own rejection letter. And I didn't get one, which was like (laughs) shocking. Um, so that was a really cool experience. Everyone was really excited for me. Um, and so that was kind of like, me and my first experience with I guess like imposter syndrome and kind of thinking like I I wasn't qualified when in fact I was quite qualified to speak on the topic. Um, and so I kind of struggled with a little bit of self-doubt all the way leading up to, to the conference and, um, and then it actually went super well. Um, it was a great experience. I was invited to do an encore session um, right. at the event and uh, I've gotten to give that talk uh at a few smaller scale events as well so yeah it was a wonderful experience
0: really cool story so the ceo got rejected but you got the call to speak <laughs> that must have been a fun conversation
1: yeah no he was so stoked for me he was of course was very proud so that's good um, yeah it was
0: awesome so i'm kind of curious uh because that's a hard thing to do right like to get into inbound what was in the video like give away the secrets what did you actually say in the video what was your topic like how did you do it
1: um so i actually did like a verbal pitch for a topic that i didn't even get picked for (laughs) um it was talking about it was more like cultural i honestly couldn't even tell you fully what it was about but it was basically on like how to um use like constructive feedback to to help you grow as a professional, Um sure. And then I submitted like a couple other abstracts for topics that I would be interested in, and um, the one that I they settled on was how to leverage data driven decision making and um, the idea of avoiding analysis paralysis, which is a really common problem for marketers. Um, for sure. So yeah, nothing nothing super secret about it. I was just being myself, I guess, and that seemed to work. So that was. That
0: was really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. So, all right. So, you mentioned New Breed, which is in uh, Winooski, Vermont, right? Yes. Shout out to Vermont. I used to live there for five <laughs> years. Yeah, Vermont's the
1: best.
0: <laughs> We've kind of talked about this before, but yeah, I love Vermont as well. It's a, it's a great place. So, New Breed Marketing is pretty well known in the space for inbound marketing, specifically being a HubSpot partner. Mm-hmm. So, it looks like you started up, as you said, an intern and then kind of worked your way up.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was um I started there my sophomore year, the summer of my sophomore year of college, sure. started as social media intern and then kind of uh got to wear lots of different hats cuz I was working on the internal marketing team. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't doing any client-facing work. I was marketing for the marketing firm. Sure. Um so our team was much smaller, much more limited in resources, so I got to do a lot of things that um a college student might not be able to do if they're on a bigger team um at or at like a bigger more corporate company um so from there i you know took on webinars so that was something i was really interested in because of the public speaking component right. um and from there i kind of had an interest in partnerships because i had gone to my first conference which was in mountain 2017 and i uh had let's see, I had an experience with Vidyard, who was someone who was an interested, interested in a partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, being in talks with them and considering forming a partnership got me really excited. Um, And from there, I kind of like adopted partnerships as my own. And given that HubSpot was like our big primary partner, and really like our only partner at the time, I was like, you know, this has worked really well with HubSpot. Like, this seems like something we should scale up and, and do more of with the right yeah. companies. Right. And so from there, I kind of adopted partnerships and made that my own. Um, and that really was like my main focus for the rest of my time at Newbreed, um, all the way up through uh, graduation, and then into the summer after I graduated college. Um, so yeah, that was kind of what got me started on partnerships.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So I kind of want to explore, and it's it's gonna be a little strange topic for you probably, but I, I want to dive into how you got a job offer from an intern to your first job at Newbury like a full time position so I think that's that's okay. one area I've hired a bunch of interns I've hired a bunch of first right out of college marketers um, There is something that I think these people lack, which is almost like an office awareness or like a a motivation to kind of do more or go and make things their own. And it sounds like mm-hmm. you latched onto that in a, a really big way. So I'm kind of curious to get your take. Why yeah. do you think you got hired from an intern to a it looks like a specialist, right?
1: Um Yeah, I was actually in a, a strategist level role. So I, I didn't okay. come on entry level, which was also really cool. And that was kind of just yeah. like a testament to um you know my ability to make myself valuable and they saw that and um you know reciprocated with that which was really cool of them yeah. um so you know i think to answer your question it's kind of like a two-fold thing it's like partially on the company and then partially on the intern right. so at new breed they do a really good job of creating uh, a culture of autonomy um especially being in an internal role where resources are limited and you know, I had a manager who was open to trying new things and, you know, wasn't afraid to fail fast and, and iterate, which was a really big player in my ability to kind of take control and um, make things my own. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would partially be from the culture at New Breed. But also it has to do with who you are as a person and, um, you know, your willingness to not be afraid to say, Hey, like, I'm really interested in doing this. Like, can I take the lead or even better, like just doing it, um, which is not necessarily the right way to go about it for every single situation, but there are definitely a lot of ways that young people interns, um, you know, people in entry level roles can really, um, take authority and, and start doing things without having to necessarily like go to their boss and, and ask and say, Hey, you know, can I do this, this, and this, um, one of my things was kind of just like going, like seeing a problem, knowing that, uh, you know, the rest of my team wanted to solve it and just going and doing it, um, rather than, you know, being like asking, um, if I could help, I would just help, (laughs) which was kind of my, my method.
0: Yeah, so not necessarily asking for permission, just getting things done, maybe asking for forgiveness if you go a little bit too far. But again, yes, I don't, yeah, I,
1: definitely. I don't
0: think anybody's going to fault an intern for going above and beyond what they're kind of right. expected to do. So I think that's for all of you young marketers out there listening. I think that is a huge piece of advice that you should take to heart, which is if you're an intern, act as if, go after every single thing you can, be proactive. I think that is just so underrated and I think it's a testament to your career that you did that as an intern and you've already jumped your way up the ladder so clearly works uh, which is really cool so you kind of touched on something in your story about how you went from intern to strategist to partnerships so why partnerships and why did, why did they excite you?
1: Yeah Um so again this was kind of something that like I didn't even know existed right. Um, right. when I was you know, starting out in college, I was never like, oh, I want to be a, a partner acquisition manager. Like I <laughs> didn't even know what that was. Um, so it's kind of one of those niche things that you don't really learn about, like just one of those functions of business that you kind of overlook from the outside. But once you get into a company, you see how important they can be. Right. Um, what I love about partnerships is, you know, the core of it is relationship building, which I've always kind of had a knack for, um, and also getting to combine like my marketing skill set. Like I love to speak, I love to write. Um, I've always been interested in content creation and, and collaboration, um, and so I get to do a lot of that, being in partnerships, which is really cool. And then it also has kind of like um, almost like a sales component. Not really sales, more so you're you're selling the idea of a relationship. which i think is really cool it's not like pitching a product that maybe someone doesn't necessarily need it's more so like working together to identify how to create a mutually beneficial relationship and identifying those synergies between your companies to figure out how you can help each other so yeah
0: yeah i think that's well said and um that really is um it's not selling a product it's selling a relationship and kind of the mutual beneficial piece which is it's different it's very different and that's kind of why i really wanted to talk to you today so what role does marketing play in that kind of partnership ecosystem how have you leveraged it in your partnerships past and present
1: yeah definitely um so you know marketing is one of my favorite things to talk about mostly because of my marketing background but also because it's so valuable and it's so overlooked i think in the partnership world um Co-marketing is just an amazing way to, you know, bring together two different audiences and, you know, reach people that you would never have been able to reach prior. And then by collaborating with a brand that they trust, you trust, you're able to create this value that you can't really find anywhere else. Um, it's really funny. I So the talk that I gave at Snowforce recently was about partnerships and mm-hmm. how, um, you know, Two separate companies can be great on their own. They're all, you know, they're awesome in their own respects. But when two good companies come together, it's really special. I kind of like paralleled that with um, Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg's relationship. <laughs> yeah, right, right. They're very good friends, which a lot of people don't know. Like on their own, they're each great. Um, but when you find out that they're really good friends, you're just like, that is so cute and nice. And it just makes you like them both um, even more. And then to take it a step further, they, create content together. They had, I don't know if it's still running, um, but they had this this TV show is called Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party remember Challenge. They cook yeah. together, right? Yeah. And it <laughs> was, it was delightful. If you ever get a chance to watch the reruns, I highly recommend it. Um, and that's just like something you would, could never find anywhere else. There's nothing like it because of who they are as individuals coming together and doing that together was really, really cool.
0: I didn't expect to talk about Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. So I'm going to link the video at the very bottom of this article. Please go check it
1: out. Yes.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. I I remember that and I I was actually blown away that she would agree to do something like that. But I think Martha's kind of reinvented herself after going yeah. to jail. For, uh, yeah, that
1: was, that was one of the things I was like, they have a lot in common. Like, yeah. You know, they're both trailblazers in their respective industries. They both found in jail. In jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah they like, have like some cool synergies that you wouldn't expect.
0: Yeah, that's really <laughs> funny. So speaking of like successful co-branded partnerships, what would you consider to be your most successful partnership? And kind of how did you measure that?
1: Yeah. So I would say like, relevant to my current role, um, so I'm working at Formstack software company, and I personally focus on working with our consulting partners. So Mm -hmm. specifically in the Salesforce and Zoho communities. And, you know, those are just really cool. It's funny because like I was at an agency doing partnerships with software companies and now I'm at a software company doing Mm -hmm. partnerships with agencies and consultants. So I'm like on the other side of this relationship. So I I feel like that's kind of given me some unique insight. um, That's been really helpful, but in terms of measuring success, like it's all about your mutual customer, right? Like you want to just make sure that like you're creating positive outcomes for your partner's customers. So they're making sure that Formstack customers are getting the most out of Formstack you know, a lot of software kind of just sits and is shelfware, um, when you don't have experts dedicated to maintaining and optimizing it. Um, On the other hand, like, you can't deliver excellent consulting services without software to uphold that, you know, strategy and expertise.
0: Yeah, it makes total sense. And and I think um, it's really interesting, too, because it's, it's all about the audience. Like you said, you have to kind of have a mutual audience that you can both offer value to. And that seems like an easy thing, but it's not always so easy once you dive into it. So it is really a great exercise to kind of like, who do you think is your partnership ecosystem? After you have talks with them, maybe they're not, maybe they're not a good fit and you kind of move on. So my follow up question to that is, Walk me through your process to actually reach out to these companies and start that conversation about partnerships.
1: Yeah, definitely. So obviously you want to lead with value and that's kind of true for any ask, um, whether you're in sales, marketing and beyond, um, you know, you want to be respectful of people's time and attention. Mm -hmm. So always leading with value is kind of like our go-to and my personal go-to. So being upfront, um, And being straightforward in your ask and saying, hey, you know, you do this. And I know that, you know, we at Formstack work with companies just like you to provide X, Y, and Z value and help their customers do X, Y, and Z. Um, So, you know, being very upfront and getting straight to the point and not trying to be like misleading or anything like that. Not that, you know, most people don't do that, but you never know. Um, And then the other thing is, you know, leveraging kind of that greater community. So Salesforce consultants are a tight-knit community. Um, There's lots of them, but, you know, everybody kind of knows each other when they're in these specific niches. So, you know, I always check and see if we have a mutual connection or, you know, maybe they work adjacent to another partner um, who, you know, maybe they admire or, you know, they, they specialize in the same thing. So there, there's almost like a little bit of an element of competition, even it's like, Oh, well, you know, if our competitor is working with Formstack, like, you know, maybe we should look into it too, because it could be a competitive edge. Um, and so always referencing that mutual relationship, if it's there. And then if it's not there, um, being upfront about it and being, Hey, like, you know, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I really do believe that we could find some mutual benefit from collaborating. Would you be open to an exploratory conversation? Um, and you know, just offering that up there, not being like super pushy or like we, you know, I want to explain to you the benefits of the Formstack Partner Program. Like more so, like let's compare notes. Like we probably know the same people in this community. You know, we're working in in similar spaces. Like let's just connect and. If all it results in is a connection, like that's okay too. Um, I'm all for expanding your network on behalf of yourself and your company, even if it doesn't result in, you know, what you wanted to achieve. It's always good to, to know people and to form connections, no matter how small they are.
0: That's great advice. So I can't tell you, so I'm VP of marketing in my day job. Um, I cannot tell you how many robotic emails I get from <laughs> Salespeople, partnership managers, just like literally exactly what you said. I would like to partner with you, blah blah. I mean, it's yeah. it's really kind of shocking the volume of those types of emails. So I think your approach, which is basically just a human approach, be human, make the human connection, I think is mm-hmm. one of the smartest things you could do in that space, especially if it's relationship based, right? You're not gonna nobody starts off a relationship with a robotic <laughs> email. It's just it's crazy. So exactly. So props for you on that. I think that's a great Thanks. approach um so partnerships taking a step back most people when they think of partnerships and i'm going to be a bit controversial here um think of old white men kind of doing the partnership job when they're in their late 50s and 60s it's so refreshing to see a woman in that spot but also like more women joining the partnership kind of movement so walk me through what that means to you and kind of What you see happening in the next five years.
1: That's so awesome. I'm so happy that you brought that up because, um, you know, I wanna highlight Zach Pines, who is FormStack's VP of Partnerships, and his, you know, decision to take a chance on this 22 year old (laughs) who literally graduated college less than a year ago to be a partner manager at at this big, amazing software company. Um, And he, you know, was so intentional in being like, we want to help our partners. I don't want your traditional channel sales manager, you know, just literally just trying to um, secure MR. Like that's not what our partner program is built on. Um, It's built on support and basically creating a community. Um, And so he was able to recognize that in me that, you know, I had an an alignment with him and being into the idea of support community helping people and then you know the rest will follow rather than leading with sell 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 like we're just trying to help ourselves
0: yeah shout out to uh form stack and Mm -hmm. zach for uh for making the call i think it's it's super important and i I think it's the future uh for sure so um i'm happy to see them investing in that as well
1: yeah and like you know like you mentioned um it's not that common as of now, it's getting more and more common. And a lot of my phone calls with prospective partners, so I'm meeting with decision-makers at a lot of um, consultancies, agencies, and like you said, it is a lot of older white men. And that's kind of just the nature um, of the industry at the moment, but more and more, like I'm seeing diversity and, um, you know, allies emerge, which is really important too. Yeah. You know, my LinkedIn network, my Twitter network um, has been so beyond supportive and amazing um, and really shown me just like how many people care. um, Even if, you know, they don't talk to you on a daily basis, you may not even know them um, until you need them. And it's really cool. Uh, My personal brand and my network have kept me afloat through a lot of different things. And um, it's that one thing that that stayed true um, since I've really started my career.
0: So let's dive into that a little bit. So the personal brand, I agree. You have a great personal brand on Twitter, LinkedIn, Thank you're you. active, you post often, you have really insightful comments. What does it take to build a personal brand and what advice would you give to again, some of those younger men and women out there that want to break into marketing and develop that personal brand? Where do they start and kind of, how do you approach it?
1: Yeah a good question um i mean i think personal branding is a, a non-option at this point especially if you're in the business of marketing partnership sales like that's all relationship building no matter how you spin it you're a person working with other people or trying to work with other people and so you know neglecting your personal brand is a huge missed opportunity um and so like personally i've always like social media. Um, but it wasn't really until I started working in my first internship at Newbreed um and kind of immersed myself in like the Martech space and started seeing like influencers and um all these different folks just going and, and using all these platforms for professional content. Like I had never thought of using Twitter. Twitter was kind of like dead to my generation. Like nobody I know uses Twitter for like personal use. Um, but a lot of people use it for business. Not a lot of people my age necessarily, but a lot of people. Um, And so I kind of just like started dabbling in it. Um, My professor, my capstone professor, and she was my advisor all through college. um, She was a really huge adopter of leveraging LinkedIn and Twitter for professional purposes um, in our final capstone basically it was all centered around branding yourself as a professional you know creating content sharing your insight putting it out there and it was really cool to see um someone in academia really understand that Mm -hmm. um a lot of traditional marketing classes and and coursework are like this is a case study about apple (laughs) and like you know they're very like b2c focused like very product and and like functionally focused um and so a lot of times like these more like personal qualitative elements of being successful in business get overlooked um and part of it is just like this is kind of new stuff um and maybe like textbooks like 15 years from now will be like building a linkedin personal brand is really important to success but um we're just not there yet Um, And so that's kind of been my experience and just being myself, being authentic. At first, I was like, I really don't want to post anything on my LinkedIn. Like, what do I know about anything? Um, And so I started small, like baby steps. If I wrote a blog post that I was proud of, I would share it. Um, And then as I kind of gained more confidence, more knowledge, I started sharing more and more and then, you know, infusing my opinion into things, which is really important, too, because you know, a lot of people are very hesitant to take stances, especially in a professional context. Mm -hmm. But personally, like I've found that, you know, sticking up for what you believe in and what's truly important to you as a person um, can never harm you, right? Like if it turns some people off, it's like, well, do you even really want to associate with those kinds of people? Probably not. And so that was kind of a hard lesson for me to learn um but i'm so glad that i did and you know i'm so grateful to be at a company now that is so supportive of you know all of our employees being really active on social media being themselves sharing personal things um you know sharing their their stances on their values and um formstack has been really great at, at encouraging that too so it's, that's great it's awesome.
0: yeah and I, th- and I think um you're right the personal brand is kind of one of the more Uh, misunderstood elements of marketing in today's world and I Mm -hmm. think you're right academia is generally behind the ball on that I think they have a very good um, framework for traditional marketing and things like that you learn a ton of like the the nuts and bolts of it Mm -hmm. but I think you're right there's nothing in the textbooks about building a personal brand and how it could benefit your company you work at Um, yeah and I'm kind of curious so generally the people that build those brands are or jumping on the next best channel. I'm gonna put you on the spot. What do you think is the next channel that's gonna blow up for personal brand?
1: Oh uh definitely TikTok.
0: Think um, so? All right.
1: Yeah. Uh so <laughs> hear me out here. Okay. Um, it. TikTok was kind of like I was mystified by TikTok for a while. I was like, What is this? Like why why are all these kids dancing to yeah. the same song? And you know, I didn't really get a good grip on it but I actually I took some time in between my current role and my last role and did a lot of like exploratory content while I was on my job search and um, TikTok was definitely one of the things I was like I want to figure out how to use this like I want to figure out how I can kind of create a niche because it is a super up-and-coming platform and you know it's not going away anytime soon Um, And no, like B2B decision makers aren't really there yet, but people who are 15, 16 now are going to be B2B decision makers in a little over 10 years. So, um, and like what you adopt when you're young doesn't just go away. You kind of keep those preferences for life, um, which I think is really important to know. And so as B2B professionals, we have to kind of adapt to meet them where they'll be. And if you can get a head start on that, that's really important. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, I agree, and that's kind of why I asked the question because generally, if you get ahead of it, you have a better chance of being successful and kind of owning that new channel. And uh, the people that have the most followers in the existing channels are generally the people that are there first, kind of spend yeah. a good amount of time developing their market,
1: um, definitely. And I kind of dabbled in like figuring out how to capitalize on these trends. Like, one of the the things that's like a core pillar of TikTok is like there's Uh, like a sound it could be like a snippet of a song or like something from like a popular um, video and everybody creates content based off of the same like song or sound Um, and it has kind of like a general theme Um, so I was like okay like how am I going to make this related to my profession? I do not know. Um, So (laughs) one of the videos that I'm kind of proud of, that was kind of a cool example of how I could turn something kind of silly and like, you know, some people would be like, Oh, it's, you know, for kids um, into something relevant was I'd create a video. This was when I was in my job search and um, the trend was the song and it's like, it's like instrumental. And then at the end, it's like, you know, I'm your type. And there's like a lot of, Different takes on it, but I was like, you know, I'm on the, I'm on a job search. Um, I want to figure out like which employers are looking for people like me. Um, you know, I'm a type for this kind of company, and so I kind of played on that and was like, if you want someone who is really good at building relationships, like cares a lot about diversity and inclusion, you know, loves to speak in public, you know, I'm your type. And <laughs> so I got a lot of, I got a lot of positive feedback um, on that, which was really cool. But uh, yeah, so I've kind of just been, you know, messing around with it in my spare time. I definitely want to make a point to invest more time in in TikTok content in the near future.
0: That's clever. Is that how you got into Formstack?
1: No, not. Okay. No, not directly. (laughs) I don't know. It might have played a role. It was Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. So speaking of young people, so I have a daughter. What would you tell her if she wanted to break into marketing?
1: That's a good question. Um, I mean, I would tell her to lean on her strengths first and foremost. Like marketing, you can do so many different things. Um, You don't have to be this extroverted relationship builder or anything like that. Um, to be in this field, right? There's a lot of different functions of marketing and different personality types and skill sets complement that. So it's really important to to be aware of what you're good at and giving yourself credit where it's due.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for a long time, I was like, oh, like, I don't know what I'm good at. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't want to come off as cocky or arrogant, you know, going into an interview and being like, I am good at this. But I don't know why I felt like that. (laughs) Um, It's part of like that imposter syndrome. And, you know, especially women, like sometimes um, don't feel like they're qualified to, you know, be blunt in in what they think their strengths are and and being straightforward. And they should be like more sheepish or bashful, um, which obviously isn't the case. But that's kind of just like a natural inclination. Um, and so, yeah, first and foremost, like figure out what you're good at, figure out what you like would be the second thing that I would recommend is you know, do you absolutely love working in you know nonprofits or like something that has to do with social good? like you're probably not gonna love working in a really corporate place that you know manufactures like textiles, right, right. um right. And a lot of times, like, you're not going to figure that out right away, and you're kind of going to have to do a few different jobs to figure that out. So, like, my very first internship was at a 70-year-old HVAC company. I was a social media intern. They didn't have any social media. So, um, that was a really interesting experience for me. And from there, I was like, okay, this is not the kind of company I want to work at. Like, it was it was a good first experience, but um, it kind of helped me figure out what I did and didn't like. And so you kind of go through a lot of that and you're always really like learning about your preferences. Um, You know, no matter what job you're in, like right now, I'm still learning and I will continue to do so through the rest of my career. Um, But, you know, being cognizant of that and figuring out like what kind of company makes you happy um, and figuring out how you can tap into those you know values and things that make you feel really fulfilled even if you're not necessarily like in a job that's perfectly equipped for that and so kind of what i mean by that is like you know being able to access those things and contribute so i like get formstack we're a forms company yes like it's software um, but like what really makes me happy and makes me feel fulfilled is helping people building relationships um, being a role model and being able to connect with people in the greater community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, by doing things like this and, and talking about being a young woman in this industry and, you know, giving advice and, and talking about diversity and, and how to foster inclusion, you know, I'm able to do these things that aren't directly related to like form as a business and the business model. Um, but it's just a function of my job. And so that's what really fulfills me, which is, it's really cool. And you can always find, you know, ways to tap into your passions, no matter what kind of role you're in.
0: That's great advice. So play to your strengths, do what you like, keep the learning mindset and match your values. I think that's, that's really solid advice. (laughs) Ava, if you're listening, take that. It's really cool. Thanks for that. So We're going to come to a, a quick wrap up here. So I know we're coming up on time, but let's do a lightning round. You ready for this?
1: Oh, okay. Round. <laughs>
0: quick, quick. No, I'm just kidding. So what are your three favorite brands right now? B2C or B2B? It doesn't matter.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I really admire Rothy's. Um, they're a shoe brand made out of, I think it's from plastic recycled water bottles. Yep. Um, their branding is excellent. Their mission is really cool. They're kind of one of those like, D to C like unicorn companies that you're seeing more and more of like with Away and Outdoor Voices. Um, Are they Brazilian? So, uh, no, I don't think so.
0: Okay. I think I, there's another company out of Brazil that does a similar thing. It's kind of like the Allbirds and the yeah, Rock, yeah, yeah same type of yeah, deal. Yeah. yeah. Renewable. Um, yeah. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. Um, I love Lululemon because of just the community component of their brand. Um, I really, really admire, uh, the community they've created. They, they, especially like in the middle of this COVID-19 stuff, like they've been doing a lot to, um, you know, encourage people to be mindful and, you know, keep practicing yoga, keep exercising, keep doing what you need. So whether that's like doing a Instagram live meditation session with all of their followers, like they're constantly doing things to bring people together. Um, and it's not really focused on like the clothes or the product.
0: Which I yeah. think is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that recently. They're doing like live classes. It's really cool idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then for, I don't know if I have a third right off the top of my head.
0: Um, this isn't
1: really a brand, but, uh, one of the things that I really love is, um, the dogs that I follow on Instagram are (laughs) creating merchandise, um, which I just think is so cool. Um, one of the dog like organizations, it's called French bulldog village Rest. And, you know, they rescue Frenchies from all over the country. And this uh, artist has been doing really beautiful, like, watercolor portraits of the different dogs who are kind of, like, Instagram famous that have come from French Bulldog Village, and she's selling them. I actually, like, have some examples right here. She's, like, making stickers um of oh, wow. these beautiful dogs like this one is a real dog named ollie and there's like a real picture of him with the sombrero that's so cool. on his instagram and she's donating all the benefits to oh, wow. the, the rescue that these dogs are from which is awesome i just that kind of stuff makes me so happy So yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a
0: dog guy as well so that hits me right in the uh heartstrings um that's really yeah. cool i would consider them a brand too i mean they're on instagram i'm sure yeah. that's a brand yeah that counts the I'll, count it. I'll count it Yeah. <laughs> So final question. What are your three favorite marketing books?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know. I may not be a true marketer for this, but like I don't read books for, for marketing stuff really. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I know so, I'm, I'm like a bad influencer now. Um, where do you draw just,
0: inspiration from then?
1: I read a lot of blogs um, and that's kind of part of just my learning style. If I'm going to pick up a book, I want it to be like a trashy romance novel or like <laughs> something scary. Um, I love doing uh, my learning online. So whether it's listening to podcasts or, you know, I have a bunch of different blogs that I'm subscribed to, I, you know, follow a lot of people on Twitter in the space and, um, you know, wherever I want to get, like, I want to improve my skill set or learn more about this, I, you know, find a thought leader in that space. And I follow them. And I've found um, that having that like steady influx of content related to that topic has definitely helped me absorb and just be more in the know with things I want to learn about, which is really cool.
0: That's great. Yeah, I think um, there's just a ton of content out there. So yeah, I think that's probably just me being old, asking for your books, <laughs> but I totally understand that there's... I have no-
1: read a bunch of them, <laughs> but you, know, you don't have to read books to...
0: Well, give us your top three to trashy uh, romance novels then. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs>
0: so, anything else you want to talk about? Throw some plugs out there for Formstack again, maybe talk about what you guys do.
1: Sure. Um, there you go. Yeah, so... Salesforce, Consultants, OHO Consultants, marketing agencies, um, or anyone who can benefit from data collection, the partner team is awesome. Uh, we work with so many different cool uh, partners. Like, you know, I was talking to this woman yesterday who is basically creating like a, a self-serve consulting platform for small gym owners, um, and giving them the ins and outs of everything they need to like know and do to run a successful gym and incorporating like tech savviness. She's like showing them how to do lead generation. Like she's leveraging form stack, um, to digitize all of their like intake process. And it's just, it's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just been a really awesome part of what we've been doing. And then I guess this is kind of like a cool, timely plug, um, so in light of the COVID-19 stuff we've seen a lot of people um doing really awesome things to help their communities and um, Formstack really wants to help with that so one really awesome example that we came across there was a pre-med student um and she was leveraging Facebook to create a community and um, start, you know, recruiting people to do shopping um, for elderly people who are at high risk to leave their homes right now. And yeah, she was coordinating it like just through Facebook and, you know, she didn't really have a process. Um, And one of our partners, um, Spark Orange, they're a Salesforce consultancy and they specialize in nonprofits. Um, One of their founders actually like stumbled across it. Um, in like a news article and reached out and was like hey we want to help like and so she got them set up with Formstack for free obviously and is basically helping them scale up and streamline their volunteer intake process so that we can help more people um, so cool. and I just I think that's so cool and you know if there's any other people doing awesome things like that in the community definitely let me know because we want to you know support and provide the tools um, wherever we can
0: yeah, I feel like everybody's stepping up. I, I know it's kind of a, a crazy time, um, yeah. but all of the companies I just see in the news stepping up and offering free services, a lot of like companies yeah. are raising limits on usage and sends and things like that. It's just so cool to see the community come together, even if we mm-hmm. are so far apart in social distancing. Um, <laughs> right. I, st- I still feel like we can come together as one, uh, which is really cool to see. Yeah, um, it's been awesome. Yeah, it's great. Well, Amanda, thank you so much. It's been insightful. Um, you can check her out on LinkedIn, right? What else? Twitter? Yeah,
1: Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah. LinkedIn TikTok? It's TikTok, yes. TikTok, yep. okay. I'm on there. Um, and Very cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: thank you so much for joining a uh, Marketing Strategy Talk, and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Cool,
0: thank you.